The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Mark chapter 6. King Herod heard of the disciples preaching, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself has sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the gospel of the Lord, huh? In the list of dinner parties gone horribly wrong, that one has to be at the top. The story today of this shocking party is told as a flashback. It interrupts two other stories of Jesus' disciples wandering the countryside, the villages near Nazareth, casting out demons and healing the sick. Word of all of this has spread to King Herod, and when he hears of it, he is afraid. Now, you might recognize Herod's name. This isn't the first time we've heard it in the Gospel story. But this particular King Herod is the son of the one that we might know better, the one who was in charge when Jesus was born, the one who was also afraid, so terrified of losing his power that he ordered all the baby boys in Bethlehem to be killed when the wise men accidentally told him that a new king had been born nearby. That Herod the father was notoriously ruthless, even killing two of his own sons to keep his throne. But, like all rulers, he goes the way of dust. In the end, all of his violent, cruel tactics cannot prolong his life. And so it is his son, also named Herod, about whom we read today. Herod the Younger, who hears about a prophet whose followers are wandering the country healing people and casting out demons and preaching words of justice and forgiveness and hope. And now Herod, is afraid, too, just like his father. 
As one preacher says, Herod, father and son, remind us that it has always been true. Nothing is more dangerous to the vulnerable than leaders with a fragile ego and a lot of power. Herod the Younger is afraid because he is worried that his own past has quite literally come to haunt him. Perhaps he thinks this prophet whose followers are doing all of this stuff, this inexplicable stuff, is actually the reincarnated ghost of some kind of John the Baptist, whose death he ordered at the world's worst birthday party. The gospel then tells us in great detail exactly how that party went down. In case you missed a few of the gory details, here's a review. Not long before, King Herod had illegally married his brother's wife, Herodias. John the Baptist spoke out against that marriage. The family reactions to this were mixed. King Herod himself, not happy about being criticized, but he was also oddly fascinated by John and believed him to be a righteous and holy man. It was a true love-hate relationship. John confused Herod, and yet he liked to listen to him. His new wife Herodias, however, has no such interest in John. She just hates him, and she wants him dead. She demands that Herod arrest him, and so he does. Soon after, Herod throws himself a great big party for his birthday. As part of the celebration, his new stepdaughter Herodias let us pause to say it would be helpful if not everyone in this story had basically the same name, but that's how it goes. Herodias, the new stepdaughter, performs a dance for the crowd. And Herod is so delighted or entranced or, frankly, not sober by this point of the party that he promises the girl anything she wants, even half of his kingdom. The girl leaves the party and runs to her mother, and the two of them decide that they will ask for the death of the prophet who dared to criticize them. And not just a private execution, oh no, but a public humiliation. Herod is stuck. He doesn't want to do this, but he has made an oath in front of a whole party full of people, and he fears that it will make him look weak to go back on his promise. So he does as they ask, which means the birthday party ends, but not with a cake on the platter this time. At first glance, this story seems like something from another world, another time, a more brutal era of history. Wow, we might say to ourselves, things used to be really messed up back then. But on a closer reading, if we go back to the story again, we might start to recognize more than we think. After all, we know plenty about how tragic and awful it is when power is misused. We know what it is like to try to distance ourselves from people who have criticized us, especially when deep down we know they are right, which is the worst. We know what it is like to find ourselves so far down one road that we didn't even want to be on that we can't turn back for fear of looking weak or foolish or indecisive. And so we keep going. People are still unfaithful to each other in all kinds of ways. Rulers and leaders still make cruel choices because they are afraid of losing power. And our human desire for revenge is not any less than it's been for at least 2,000 years. Turns out this story is not so far away from us after all. 
Perhaps that's why the gospel tells us this story. Not because it's so different from who we are, because it's still who we are. Abusing power, making foolish decisions out of fear, running from hard truths that we don't want to hear, and ending up in a prison of our own making. Those are not problems from another day and another time. It may not look exactly like this terrible party, but we know all of this just the same. There are still plenty of Herods in the world, and sometimes those Herods are us. You might be wondering, rightfully, where precisely is the gospel, the good news in this story? I try not to say this too often, but the truth is, I don't think there is any. Not the way this story ends anyway. This story ends in regret and injustice and horror. Sometimes our stories end that way too. The Bible is very honest about that. When we are willing to walk away from what is right because it's easier than speaking up, when we hold on to every scrap of power and privilege we've got, no matter what it costs someone else, when we silence the voices of prophets who are crying out for justice because they make us uncomfortable, then there is a price to pay. If we are tempted to forget that, this story will not let us off the hook. Every time power is distorted and dysfunctional, somebody's head ends up on a platter. And if it's not yours, then you'd better look around to see if you helped Herod, whether you meant to or not. So yes, this particular story ends badly. But the gospel keeps going. It so happens that the very next story in this gospel is also a party, a banquet, a feast. Not for a birthday this time, although it certainly turns into a celebration of life. A very different crowd is invited, not the famous or the powerful or the wealthy who sit at a table and feast on fine wines, but instead crowds of the poor, the outcast, the forgotten. They sit in the grass and they say to Jesus, we are hungry. And Jesus looks around for something to eat and he finds a couple of loaves and a handful of fish and he says to his friends, why don't you give these away? We know how that story ends. Not with a head on a platter, but with baskets of leftovers. Even after 5,000 people have eaten their fill. This is what the living word, what the Bible does so beautifully, so simply, time after time. It holds up these two, two stories right next to each other in such a way that we have to ask ourselves, what kind of parties are we at? What kind of banquets are we throwing and who gets to come? Author Rachel Held Evans, who has written a number of wonderful books about spirituality and scripture, said in a beautiful article in the Washington Post this week, there's no denying the very things condemned by the biblical prophets, 
gross income inequality, mistreatment of immigrants and refugees, the oppression of the poor and vulnerable, the worship of money and violence, these all remain potent, prevalent sins in our own time and place. To put our hope in Jesus is to believe and to work that despite all the evidence to the contrary, Jesus' way of justice and peace and mercy and compassion will ultimately prevail. The Bible will not let us forget that plenty of parties like Herod's are still happening all the time. But it also will not let us forget that God is just as determined to throw a different kind of banquet. One where everyone is welcomed and fed. One where power is shared, not hoarded. Where resources are given away, not hidden. A feast where abundance rules and mercy flows. Where justice rolls on like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It starts today with a little bit of bread and wine at this very table. But it doesn't stop there. The Herods of this world may think that you can behead the gospel, but they are wrong every time. For which we say, thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>